Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group, and I'm reporting to you from San Francisco, where I'm attending the RSA conference. On day two, I would say that there were two resonant themes. One is about the insider threat. It's clear that the news of Societe Generale has struck a chord with the user and vendor communities alike because it's something they're talking frequently about at the event, the risk of the insider threat. The other dominant theme I'm hearing in conversations is of a desire to have a national data breach notification law. Currently, there are nearly 40 states that have their own individual laws with some commonalities, but also some unique characteristics. And you're hearing banking institutions, retailers, and vendors alike calling for a national law now. So these are two topics that have come up and I expect to hear more about over the next couple of days. Now, what I'd like to tell you about right now is online banking. I had the opportunity to sit in on a panel yesterday of Bank of America executives talking about their efforts. Now, Bank of America is well known for its mobile banking services. Currently, the institution has got 750,000 mobile banking customers, and they're receiving services on 400 different kinds of devices. But did you realize that one of the ways that Bank of America secures its electronic offerings is by providing customers with abuse reporting capabilities? We deputize the customer, says Scott Huey, the senior vice president of e-commerce. We're all in favor of having our customers as our police force. Now, Wednesday's audience was filled mainly with competitive bankers as they wanted to hear what Bank of America had to say about online security initiatives. Now, key to their efforts, literally key to their efforts, is the proprietary site key, which sits on browsers to authenticate sites and devices with a combination of images, image titles, and challenge questions. Additionally, Bank of America now offers SafePass, a new one-time passcode for high-risk activities such as money transfer between individuals. Rather than a physical token, which users no longer want to have possession of, SafePass comes as a text message or as a card. As a result of both of these initiatives and the security awareness that accompanies them, Bank of America executives say that their customers are now much more savvy about risks. They're a lot more aware of the fraud threats says Todd Inskeep, the Vice President of Innovation and R&D. Now, customer education is one of the security team's priorities. Efforts so far include a dedicated website, emails, and even white papers about security best practices. In some cases, when made aware of phishing attempts, Bank of America will even take down the offending site and they'll replace it with a customer education page. You consider it a virtual safety net to catch potential fraud victims. Going forward, in additional initiatives, Bank of America is talking about RSS feeds, additional mobile offerings, and next-generation channels of delivery. The bank is also working with MIT's Media Lab to develop what they call a center for future banking. The key, Inskeep says, is to make security a fundamental concern. We want to build in security at the design phase, he says. This is interesting. It's something to watch going forward. Now, I also attended a panel yesterday on e-discovery and digital forensics. It was put on by an individual from the Fifth Third Bank. Now, often when people hear forensics, they're thinking about the old TV show Quincy or CSI, you know, some popular TV show where you see police investigators digging up data to make their case in court. The same is often true in financial institutions where digital forensics can be used in support of legal e-discovery, but it's not always about cracking a case said Dennis Seibert, lead forensic analyst of Fifth Third Bank. He says it's all about following the evidence and seeing where it leads you. This was the key theme of his presentation at the RSA conference. 
discussing the forensics process and establishing the difference between legal investigations and corporate forensics, Seibert identified the typical types of cases he call, he's called to investigate. They include employee dismissals, policy violations, network intrusions, and e-discovery. And it's always a matter of finding out whether something did or did not happen by going through all the various evidence that might be in hard drives, on cell phones, in PDAs, in voicemails, anywhere there can be any kind of electronic communication, this is where forensics and e-discovery can help. Now, there's always the question of do you outsource these capabilities or do you develop in-house capabilities for forensics and e-discovery? For those who are looking for to develop in-house or for looking for a good outsourcer, Cybert offered the top traits that he looks for in finding a forensics analyst. He wants someone who knows where the data lives, which again means getting beyond the hard drives and looking at phones and voicemail, email, anywhere there can be any kind of an electronic communication, you need to know where that data lives. Understand deleted files. Now we all know that deleted doesn't really mean deleted, but where do you find the information? He's looking for someone who can delve into log files and emails. And most important and key here is someone who possesses superior communication skills because they've got to be able to present their findings to all levels of interested parties, whether it might be a line of business executive, a technology manager, the board of directors, or potentially law enforcement officials in a legal setting. So interesting stuff on forensics, interesting material on online banking, and as day three gets started, we hope to find more, and as we do, we'll report back to you. From the RSA Conference in San Francisco, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.